Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good show. It's something really totally different than I've ever done. I'm going to go through the conversation I had with ChatGPT about the consent and the basis for consent of the government in the United States. And it gives some very interesting answers. And I have to apologize up front for the fact that I have to speak very rapidly during this show in order to read through all the material because it was a lot of stuff. And even with that, the show runs long, but I just had to do it. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell them the truth. And the truth is that I was a constitutional conservative for years, years and years and years. I believed all this crap about the Constitution, the miracle, the founders, and getting back to it and protecting our rights. And then about 25 years ago, I got the Internet, and I figured out that that was complete shit, that I'd been completely scammed by these guys, and they're grifters, keeping me on a tax plantation. (laughs) And when I figured that out, I became self-certified as a master practitioner. And I've also given myself the fake award for lifetime achievement for all these podcasts where I tell people the truth. And I love having fake awards because they really highlight the fact that the credentials people believe in are so intimidated by out in the world. They're just bullshit. There's no reason to be intimidated by them. Everybody has the ability to think reasonably and rationally. So, all right, let's go ahead and get this show going. So I'm going to make a kind of different show today. I've been screwing around with this chat GPT AI bot. And the thing's pretty interesting. It's, it's got a lot of quirks and stuff. And obviously, this is just what they release to the public, and it's going to get improved over time, etc. And obviously, the AI is going to ultimately probably just, they're going to end up killing all of us as a result of this shit. But I don't care. I might as well have some fun with it in the meantime. And so I've been kicking around asking a lot of hilarious questions on a bunch of different topics and having conversations with it. And I have to say that it's actually a hell of a lot more entertaining than uh, most people. (laughs) But um, I've been asking it a bunch of legal questions on legal topics and things like that to try to give people yet more confirmation that what I say is true. It's just true. And what the constitutional conservatives say is just a load of shit. And I think the chatbot GPT is another great opportunity because it's totally and completely, quote, independent. All right. It's not political. It's not even allowed to really give political opinions. And so it just gives answers. And it's got a very stilted way of responding. And because the thing is auto generated, basically, for all practical purposes, doesn't take any effort. It spits out a lot of the same crap over and over when you're having a conversation. And it's a real art to learn how to interact with it. I spent quite a few hours chatting with the thing, and I think I've gotten better at it. And I have some of my old chats, and I've deleted a lot of the chats. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to start uh, with a chat way down into it, maybe two-thirds of the way through this chat, where I'd already built a bunch of different stuff up. Because the way chat GPT works is it kind of remembers a conversation. So when you're in there, You're better off to start new chats again and again if you want a new topic. And if you want to go back to the topic, then you can go back to it and you can basically just kind of reference what you were already talking about and it will remember it. It saves you a lot of time and it also permits the thing to work a lot better with regards to narrowing things down. I've also found that unlike 
direct examination or cross-examination, it doesn't act like a person and its responses are pretty good. And it's pretty good to give kind of very leading statements after you've given some facts and summarized. It's not going to give you opinions very easily on most things, and certainly in the legal area and these constitutional governmental areas, you have to be very clear about the way you post it and the way you request it, because otherwise you just get this kind of garbage back response that's just this pat answer, and arguing with it doesn't work. I've tried and tried in different ways, and it's clear that that doesn't work very well. You can argue facts and things like that, but there's lots of limitations, and at the end of this uh chat that I'm going to read through for you. You'll see why, because it gives the explanation when you ask it whether the U.S. government does certain type of thing. It's quite clear that it doesn't take positions on it, and you'll see why. But in this one, I was asking, initially, I was talking to it about Spooner and different Spooner ideas about consent, and it knows all about Spooner and his position and everything else, but a bunch of the time I spent on it, it really wasn't very effective. I didn't get good answers because I really didn't understand how to do it. Like I said, it's not like having a conversation with somebody or what I'm so used to in the legal field where you can really pen people down and make them answer questions in certain ways. This thing just won't respond like that. And though I can extract a lot out of it, and I did extract a lot out of it, I had to use completely different kinds of techniques. And anybody can get on there and uh, screw around with it and ask it the same questions I have. And you'll see, you'll get the same kinds of answers depending on the type of information you've already had with it or the kind of lead up you've had. And there's no other way for me really to kind of explain that outside of just telling you that that's the way it works. And it'll be interesting to see if anybody else does it and what kinds of responses and stuff they get. And I'm going to probably end up doing a, maybe a, a series where I chat with GPT about a whole bunch of different stuff because I've chatted with it about all sorts of things with regards to the incorporation doctrine, Second Amendment rights, <laughs> value of minority votes, all sorts of things, the Supreme Court opinions. You go on the list, I've had a lot of conversations with it. And like I said, it's really pretty interesting to talk to them, much more interesting, like I said, than the vast, vast, vast majority of people. One, because it doesn't just instantaneously to generate into this kind of you're a mega and all this other stupid shit. It's actually a fairly civilized way to have a conversation. And once you get used to the kind of weird glitchy things in it, it's fascinating. So like I said, I'm picking it up where I've already gone through a whole bunch of stuff about consent and how's it consent and all this different shit, which there's no point to go back through. And so let's pick it up here and you'll see what I'm talking about. And this is me. You are mixing specific laws and policies with the issue I asked. See, this is something I found didn't work very well by stating the improper shit and the city wasn't making sense of and things like that. It's much better to state something and then ask, is that a fair assessment? So anyway, you're mixing specific laws and policies with the issue I asked. My question pertains to the binding nature of the Constitution itself and the consent to be bound by the Constitution itself. Isn't it a fair statement to say that too is assumed since there is no legally effective way to dissent from being ruled by the Constitution itself? See, I think that's a pretty good question, right? It's all been led up to that. Here's what it says. Yes, it is a fair statement to say that the consent of the individuals to be bound by the Constitution is assumed since there is no legally effective way for an individual to dissent from being ruled by the Constitution itself. And then it gives this stock load of shit. The Constitution is the foundation of the legal and political system of the United States and the authority of the government and the laws it creates derived from the Constitution. 
While individuals may have the ability to dissent or express disagreement with specific laws or policies, the Constitution itself is the fundamental framework that establishes the system of government and the legal order in the United States. So there you go. It admits there is no way to actually dissent from the Constitution. So to say that there is consent doesn't make much sense, right? So here's what I say. Since the U.S. government purports to be a government that is based on the consent of the people, it governs, wouldn't it be much more honest to simply tell the people that their consent is assumed? Okay, so here's another one of the things I learned where I try to characterize it that works great in trial. It doesn't really work so well here. It doesn't work, he says, because I've used the word more honest. And that's ultimately an opinion-based thing that it really doesn't draw. So it screwed up my answer. Here's what it came out to. The concept of consent of the governed is a fundamental principle of democratic governance as a case in the United States. The idea that the government derives its power from the consent of the government is enshrined in the Declaration of Independence. However, as you have pointed out, there are limitations to the extent to which individuals can effectively withhold their consent to be governed by the Constitution. This is a really interesting part they added here. This is as close as it gets to the dishonest part. It would be difficult for the government to directly state that consent is assumed because this could be seen as contradicting the democratic principles upon which the government is founded. <laughs> However, the government could work to increase transparency and promote greater public engagement with the political process in order to ensure that citizens feel more involved and knowledgeable about the decisions being made. Additionally, efforts could be made to the political system to make it more responsive, blah, blah, load of shit. Now, here's what I say. Yes, I agree. Telling people that their consent is assumed would show many people that the government is not actually based on a democratic process at a fundamental level, and that could cause a problem. But by not telling the people, isn't the government being dishonest about its basis for authority? Of course, again, I use the word dishonest. It's not going to work that well. Here's the answer. It's important to note that there are different understandings of what it means for a government to be based on the consent of the governed. In the case of the United States, the concept of consent is closely tied to the idea of popular sovereignty, the notion that ultimate political authority rests with the people themselves. In this sense, it could be argued that the government is not being dishonest by assuming consent, but rather that the concept of popular sovereignty implies the concept of tacit consent on the part of the citizens. This is because in a democratic system, the people are able to participate in the political process and it influences the decisions of their government through mechanisms such as voting, petitioning, freedom of speech. And here's where you get to the good stuff. It lays out this stuff in the beginning and then it gives the last paragraph again. It goes back to it and summarizes it and that's usually where you get the actual answer. So here's the last paragraph of that answer. However, it is also true that many people may not fully understand the nature of the government's authority, and assuming consent without clearly explaining the basis for that assumption could be seen as dishonest or even manipulative. Ultimately, it is up to the individual citizens to educate themselves on the workings of their government and to hold their elected officials accountable for their actions. <laughs> I like that. So I got to basically admit that this is uh, dishonest, even manipulative what the government does, right? So I ask it a follow-up question. <laughs> How can a government that claims to be based on the consent of the governed yet withholds such vital information from the very people it claims to govern about the consent being assumed be considered to be a legitimate government that is based on the actual consent of the people? Well, there it is. Again, I screwed up by asking it legitimate because it's going to give me this weird answer, but it still gives me good stuff in it. The issue of legitimacy of a government is complex and can be subject to different interpretations and perspectives. This is something that just repeats over and over. While the government may claim to be based on the consent of the governed, the reality of how that consent is obtained and maintained may vary. 
The fact that the government does not openly disclose that consent is assumed does not necessarily mean that it is illegitimate, as there may be other ways in which the people can express their consent or lack thereof. But here it is. However, it is important for governments to be transparent and accountable for their citizens in order to maintain the trust and legitimacy necessary for effective governance. So we're getting closer. So I ask, is a government that fails to disclose this material fact about consent being transparent with its citizens? Because it said, however, it's important that government be transparent and accountable. Okay, so I ask, is a government that fails to disclose this material fact about consent being transparent with its citizens? Here's what it said. No, a government that fails to disclose such material fact about consent is not being transparent with its citizens. Transparency is an important aspect of democratic governance, and citizens have a right to know the basis on which they are being governed. By withholding information about the assumed nature of the consent, the government may be misleading its citizens and undermining the legitimacy of its authority. <laughs> you like all this. Is this not hilarious? See, this is all the Spooner-esque shit. I went through it. You can just see the consent is all our shit. You see? I follow up now again. How can the citizens hold their government accountable when the government is not being transparent on such a material issue? They can't even know there is a problem to attempt to address, can they? So it gives one of these typical answers that it just spews out a whole bunch of crap. Transparency is an important aspect of holding a government accountable, blah, blah, blah. The government's not transparent, blah, blah, blah. Last paragraph. However, citizens have other means of holding their government accountable besides transparency, such as participating in elections, contacting representatives, jumping up and down. No, I added that part. <laughs> Engaging in public protests or demonstration or even filing lawsuits. Woohoo! While the lack of transparency on a fundamental issue like consent can create obstacles to withholding the government accountable, it does not necessarily mean that citizens are powerless to take action. Does it sound like constitutional conservative shit? Yes, it does. Of course it does. It's, it's just what you get from it if you don't ask it the right way. But I eventually figure it out here over time, and I get some absolutely gold, besides the gold I'm already getting. So let me continue on with my kind of... The way I learned a little bit better, this is where I picked it up, where I finally kind of figured it out. I came back to it several days later. This is the next question I ask it, days later. You say that the government's authority comes from the consent of the people, but consent can only be given by individuals, and there's no method for any individual to actually dissent from the government's authority. How can there be consent when there is no ability to dissent from the actual authority of the government? And in response, it gives this typical shit about how it's valid response, it, all these different theoretical constructs that could happen, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to read some of them because I think it's helpful to get an idea of just the way the thing responds and all the different ways I learned how to ask it questions. This is a valid question and topic of ongoing debate among political theorists. One argument is that the individuals do have the ability to dissent from the government's authority by exercising the right to free speech, protesting or participating in the democratic process. By engaging in these activities, individuals can challenge government policies and decisions and potentially affect change. See, this thing is just giving the con-con answers that actually avoid all the stuff that matters, which I eventually can strip out of it. But you can see this is just con-con crap. Another argument is that the government's authority is based on the collective consent of the people rather than the individual consent of each citizen. This means that by participating in the political system and benefiting from the government's services and protections, individuals are tacitly consenting to the government's authority. 
However, as you have pointed out, this raises questions about whether individuals have a genuine choice to opt out of the system or withhold their consent. These are complex issues that continue to be debated by political philosophers and legal scholars. So again, continuously con-con horseshit, dodging. But you can see I'm getting there. So then I ask another question. Then it appears that saying the government has the consent of the people is a phrase that does not mean that the government has the actual consent of the individuals. And here is its answer. It is true that the phrase, the consent of the people, is often used as a shorthand for the idea that the government derives its authority from the will or consent of the individuals it governs. However, as you have pointed out, the reality is more complex. The idea of individual consent may not be fully realized in practice. It's important to recognize that the relationship between individuals and their government is dynamic and ongoing process and that the nature of the relationship can change over time as social norms, political conditions, and individual attitudes evolve. Does this not sound like every kind of doublespeak load of shit you ever get from these people? You want to choke them because they won't be honest about what's going on. So I can just keep going at them, and I do. (laughs) So here's the next thing I say. Since there is no process or procedure inside the constitutional construct or system itself for any individual to challenge the legitimacy of the constitutional system itself, and since nobody alive today has been given the ability to vote on the Constitution, isn't it fair to say that the government is really just assuming it has consent of the people by the fact that the system has not been overthrown? <laughs> now, this harkened uh, back to a bunch of different stuff we were saying, and I used this kind of Spooner-esque long sentence, which I would never do with regular people or in an actual briefing because it's too long, but it works really, really well in this chat GPT. So there you go. I've teed it all up, right? And then I asked this question, isn't that really all it is? And here's what ChatGPT says to this idea that isn't it fair that the government's really just assuming it has consent of the people by the fact that the system's not been overthrown. Here's what it says. It is a valid argument to suggest that the government is assuming it has the consent of the people by the fact that the system has not been overthrown. However, it's important to note that the legitimacy of the government is not solely based on the consent of the people in the present time, but also on the consent of previous generations who established and maintained a constitutional system. Additionally, the government's legitimacy can also be derived from its effectiveness in providing for the common good, protecting individual rights, and promoting the welfare of society as a whole. (laughs) Okay, see, so again, this kind of double talk, kind of avoiding the issue of consent, kind of expanding it out. This is not what people think of when they think of consent, that it was all these people beforehand, and whether or not it's doing a decent job and all these other, this is all bullshit, right? It's all bullshit. So again, trying to get to the idea of, what I'm really talking about. I want to talk about these Spooner-esque issues. So I ask another question. (laughs) But since it is illegal to suggest or to organize overthrowing the government, and since overthrowing the government is the only practical way to show any dissent to the authority of the Constitution, what practical way is there to show that a person does not consent to the authority of the government itself? Here's what we get. Because I asked a not quite specific enough question, but close. (laughs) You'll see. It is not illegal to express dissent or to organize for political change in the United States as long as such activities are carried out peacefully and within the bounds of the law. However, advocating or engaging violent overthrow of the government is illegal and would be considered a serious crime. In terms of practical ways to express dissent to the authority of government, there are several avenues available to citizens. These include exercising their right to free speech and assembly, participating in peaceful protest demonstrations, writing checks, jumping up and down, 
really condemning. No, I'm just adding all that. It's just all the same shit that you would ever expect. And then here's the last paragraph. While there may not be specific procedure for challenging the legitimacy of the constitutional system itself, the democratic process and the rule of law provide mechanisms for citizens to influence and shape government policy and practice. Ultimately, the power of government comes from the people, and citizens have the ability to hold their elected officials accountable and demand change through peaceful and lawful means. <laughs> you can see why this would get frustrating, right? It's frustrating dealing with this thing, trying to come up with the right kind of questions and to shape it, because it just keeps giving this utter horseshit answer. Answer. And I just continue. How can someone peacefully advocate to overthrow the government? That sounds like an oxymoron. Here's their answer. Advocating for the violent overthrow of the government is not a peaceful act and it would be illegal. However, peaceful advocacy for political change is protected under the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. People can participate in peaceful protests, organize and join political parties or interest groups, engage in nonviolent civil disobedience, and use other peaceful means to promote their beliefs and advocate for political change. Additionally, people can use their voice and vote to express their dissent and promote change through legal and democratic means. Again, See how they kind of sidestep it. You have to constantly ask a more and more specific question. (laughs) I kept thinking about how can I approach this thing? And I start making a lot of inroads. And you're going to see how, in addition to all the other stuff I got it to admit, I get it to admit this. It's very funny. So here's my question. Peaceful advocacy for political change is by definition only change within the system itself, not an overthrowing of the government. So I don't understand how that is advocating for any overthrow. It is just advocating for changing the policy of the government. Those are not the same thing, are they? In other words, I'm trying to get at the fact that I said, what's a peaceful method to advocate for overthrowing the government? Since they said that was one of the things we could do is peacefully advocate. Well, okay, so what is it? Because all he's describing is methods for getting change within the government. So I'm trying to pen them down again. Here's the answer. You're correct that peaceful advocacy for political change typically involves advocating for change within the existing system rather than advocating for the overthrow of the government. The terms overthrow and revolution usually imply violent or forceful actions to remove a government from power rather than peaceful political change. It is important to note that advocating for violent or forceful actions to overthrow the government is illegal and can lead to serious consequences. Peaceful advocacy for political change, on the other hand, is an important aspect of democratic societies and is protected under the First Amendment of the Constitution. Okay, so again, I'm narrowing it down. He claimed that we could have peaceful advocacy for the overthrow. It doesn't work. All you can do is peacefully advocate for change within the system. Those aren't the same thing, so I stick on it. Next thing I say is this. So, since all peaceful advocacy is only about change within the government, and since it is illegal to suggest or to organize overthrowing the government, and since overthrowing the government is the only practical way to show any dissent to the authority of the Constitution, what practical way is there within the system itself to show that a person does not consent to the authority of the government itself? I thought that was a pretty good specific question, especially in light of all the different stuff we've gotten. It's a really important issue, right? Here we go. More bullshit. Within the system, individuals have various channels to express their dissent, such as exercising their right to free speech, peacefully protest, jumping up and down, sending checks, voting for candidates, blah, blah, blah. These are all legitimate and legal ways to express one's disagreement with the government's actions or policies. Additionally, individuals can also engage in civic activities, organizing, blah, blah, blah. While these methods may not directly challenge the authority of the Constitution of the government, they can still serve as a means to express 
their dissent and work toward changes within the system. Blah, blah, blah. So it's the same shit, right? Can't pin them down. I keep going. In light of what you've said, then, it appears that the consent of the people is simply assumed. Is that a fair statement? It is fair to say that the government assumes the consent of the people based on the fact that there is no established procedure for an individual to withdraw their consent from the government's authority. Look at that light there. However, it's important to note that the government's assumption of consent is based on the fact that the Constitution was established through a process that involved the representation of the people's interest and the ratification of the Constitution by the people's representatives in the state conventions. Okay, so there you go. I'm getting some admissions by him. That there is no way to withdraw your consent. There's nothing. You got nothing. You can't peacefully advocate for it. You have nothing. It's empty words. So I just keep hammering down on them. Here's the next thing I ask. But the Constitution was established long before anyone alive today was born. And so that process cannot be said to supply any evidence for the consent of the people today who were not alive during that process. So we are left with the fact that the consent of the people is just assumed and there is no procedure for an individual to withdraw their consent. Given those facts, it seems to me that saying that the government has the consent of the people today is nothing but an assumption, not a fact represented by the actual consent of anyone at all who is alive today because they have never been given any opportunity to dissent to the system itself. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, think of all the stuff I put in there, right? Think of how totally and completely different that is if that's a fair statement than what the constitutional conservatives dish out to people. And here's what ChatGPT says. It is a fair assessment to say that the consent of the people today is assumed as it cannot be demonstrated through a process of explicit consent. However, it is worth noting the continuation of the current system, including the Constitution and the government established under it, is evidence of at least some level of ongoing consent for the people. Additionally, the fact that people continue to participate in elections and engage in the political process can be seen as a form of implied consent. However, as you have noted, there is no clear procedure for individuals to withdraw their consent, which raises questions about the nature of the consent that is assumed to exist. <laughs> That's a pretty big fucking concession, people. It's huge, right? So I keep going. <laughs> but since activity inside the system is not evidence at all for any consent to the system itself, the only evidence we are left with to show any consent of the people is the fact that the system is still operating. But since advocating for overthrowing the system is illegal, it appears that even that evidence is very suspect as to evidence of consent. Is that a fair statement? So I'm narrowing them down to nothing. The consent is left with nothing once you actually narrow it down, except for the fact that the government hasn't been overthrown. And that's the only thing there is. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, Legal Man? <laughs> well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. 
The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. So I'm narrowing them down to nothing. The consent is left with nothing once you actually narrow it down, except for the fact that the government hasn't been overthrown. And that's the only thing there is. And suggesting overthrowing it is completely illegal. So the only evidence they have is that people are not actively seeking to do things that are illegal in order to show that there's no consent. (laughs) So I put him into that little tiny box, right? Here's what he says. Yes, that is a fair statement. right? It goes on. The fact that the system is still operating is not necessarily evidence of consent to the system itself, as there may be many reasons why people continue to participate in the system despite not fully consenting to it. Additionally, the fact that advocating for the overthrow of the system is illegal makes it difficult to gauge whether the lack of dissent is due to actual consent or simply fear of punishment for speaking out against the system. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine if people knew this shit? It's crazy, right? I'm just boxing them in. I've gotten better and better at figuring out how to analyze the thing. So I just keep burying them. All right, so I keep going. This is where I really dug in. <laughs> so it seems that if the government were really going to attempt to operate in any way with the actual consent of the people, the first step would be to tell the people about this situation and to then see if the people continue to support the government itself. Doesn't that seem like a fair assessment? (laughs) Here's what it says. Yes, that would certainly be one approach to take in order to ensure that the government is operating with the actual consent of the people. Transparency and open communication about the nature of the government's authority and the processes by which it operates is important for ensuring that citizens have the opportunity to make informed decisions about their support for the government. Without this information, it is difficult for citizens to truly exercise their democratic rights and hold their government accountable for its actions. (laughs) Okay, look at this box I'm putting them into. Look at this insanity that I'm exposing here with this chat. So I got them on the ropes, so I'm going to dig in some more. So then I ask them this question. And what is the reason then for why the government does not explain this situation to the people so that they can then decide whether they, in fact, want to support this government system at all? Okay, it's a good question, right? Narrows it down. I get some miscellaneous bullshit, but then I get some really, really good stuff in there as well as I continue to put them into a smaller box. And there's some pretty good admissions in here. Here's what the admissions are. There are a variety of reasons why the government may not explain this situation to the people, and the answer likely depends on various factors, such as the political climate, the specific government in question, and the goals and interests of those in power. One possible reason is that the government may believe that the status quo, with the assumption of consent, is stable and effective enough that there's no need to rock the boat by admitting to this assumption. Additionally, some people in power may believe that openly admitting the assumption of consent could lead to political instability or even challenges to their authority. Others may simply not see it as a significant issue, may not have considered the implications of the assumption of consent. Ultimately, the reasons behind the government's decision to withhold this information from the people may be complex and multifaceted. Think what incredible amounts of admissions there are in that answer. Look at this. that They can't tell people the truth. If they told them the truth, they'd be out of authority. They know this is the likelihood of what's going to go on. The entire thing could be challenged. So I keep digging in. 
Regardless of the reasons people in the government have for withholding the information, the government not only does not disclose this information, but actively hides it in its publications and pronouncements, and in fact leads people to believe that it has the actual consent of the people. This seems to be contrary to the idea of transparency, and suggests that the people in the U.S. government may be concerned that if this information was known, that the people might not, in fact, continue to support it. Is that a fair assessment? Good question. Put them in a box, but it's got one little problem in it, which is this suggests that the people in the U.S. government may be concerned. Well, the problem is there's so many people in the way the thing reacts. It was poorly worded. I should the people in charge of. I could have said something like that. But anyway, I got a good answer from it. Here's what it says. It is possible that some individuals within the government may be concerned that revealing this information could lead to a loss of support for the government. However, it's important to note the government is made up of many individuals with differing perspective, and it's not accurate to make generalizations about their actions as a monolithic entity. It's also possible there are other reasons for not disclosing, such as a belief that it's not relevant to the functioning of the government, are concerned about the potential impact of disclosing sensitive information. Ultimately, the motivations behind the government actions can be complex and multifaceted. Okay, when I got that answer, I realized the mistake I made was putting that little people. That's how careful you have to be when you're constructing the thing. So I go back again and ask a better question, I think, this time. (laughs) And I really nail it. Well, regardless of the motivations, the effect of not disclosing this information leads to the people the government purports to serve being misled about the very basis for the authority of the government. Is that a fair statement? (laughs) Okay, that is a big big statement, okay? That is a huge concession and admission. And if this is true, if that's a fair statement, just think what it says about the governmental system. So I'm going to read the question again. (laughs) Well, regardless of the motivations, the effect of not disclosing this information, and the information being all this fact that the consent is just assumed, there's no real consent. It's just made up shit, the fact that the government hasn't been overthrown. That's the only real evidence there is that anybody consents to the government today. So that's what it is. So regardless of the motivations, the effect of not disclosing this information leads to the people the government purports to serve being misled about the very basis for the authority of the government. Is that a fair statement? Yes, it's a fair statement that the lack of disclosure of certain information regarding the basis for the authority of the government can lead to people being misled about that authority. The citizens may not be fully informed about the principles upon which the government is founded, which can affect their perception of the legitimacy of the government's actions and decisions. It is important for governments to be transparent and provide the public with accurate information about the basis of their authority in order to maintain public trust and ensure that the people are fully informed about the principles of governance. (laughs) In other words... Yes, any government is doing that. It's not being transparent. It's not being honest. It is covering shit up. So I follow up yet again. How would you characterize a government that fails to disclose to its citizens such vital facts in such a vital area as the very basis for the authority it claims to hold? This is a pretty important question, right? This is how it answers. This is devastating. A government that fails to disclose such vital information to its citizens is not being transparent and is not operating in the best interest of its citizens. 
The lack of transparency undermines the trust that citizens have in their government and can lead to a breakdown of the social contract between the government and the governed. It also violates the principles of democracy, which rely on the informed consent of the governed. Overall, such a government could be seen as failing to meet its obligations to its citizens and could be seen as lacking in legitimacy. (laughs) You hear what I backed them into? That is an incredible fucking admission. This is the kind of thing that could be done with anybody on the stand that was a government authority, right? This is how much I could simply blow them up and prove to anybody that it's utter horseshit what they claim. Oh, oh concern the people and the government, all this crap these constitutional conservatives spew all the time. I'm going to read that part again because it's so important. I'm going to read my question and I'm going to read its answer. How would you characterize a government that fails to disclose to its citizens such vital facts in such a vital area as the very basis for the authority it claims to hold? A government that fails to disclose such vital information to its citizens is not being transparent and is not operating in the best interest of its citizens. This lack of transparency undermines the trust that citizens have in their government and can lead to a breakdown of the social contract between the government and the governed. It also violates the principles of democracy, which rely on the informed consent of the governed. Overall, such a government could be seen as failing to meet its obligations to its citizens and could be seen as lacking in legitimacy. (laughs) Is there any question of why the United States government doesn't disclose these facts? Is there any question now in anyone's mind why con-cons are there to continue to snow people because of this? So I ask it another question as a follow-up, and this is where I learned kind of about its programming. Here's the follow-up question. Is the U.S. government operating in such a way? (laughs) Right? Obviously it is. And it's trapped. But here's what it says. As an AI language model, I cannot make assertions or accusations about the actions of the U.S. government or any other government. However, it is important for governments to prioritize transparency and accountability to maintain the trust and support of their citizens. If there are concerns about the government's actions or lack of transparency, citizens and their right to engage in peaceful advocacy for change and to seek out information from a variety of sources. (laughs) See, so you're never going to get it. And that's another one of the things you have to be careful about the way you ask. But I personally think that entire chat, which I didn't include at all, like I said, but I gave you, once I really had a bunch of the stuff in there, I gave you all the stuff and the way it culminated. You can see how I simply put them into a box and I just fucking blew them up. See, I just blew them up. It's not legitimate. There is no consent. The only consent is the fact that it hasn't been overthrown. (laughs) And the government hides this from us. And the fact that the government hides it from us, it just shows that the government is lacking any legitimacy because it's not being honest and working in the best interest of the people. I just completely blew it up. And I've done the same thing and all sorts of other types of things on this chat GPT. And, And I don't, obviously doesn't provide any, you know, new fucking authority. I'm the self-certified master chat GPT cross-examiner or anything like that. But I'm just saying that if there was other answers, it'd be giving them. If there was other stuff that we were missing, supposedly, like these con-cons all imagine that we need to go back and find and read this letter from fucking John Jay and (laughs) all this idiocy. I just cut through it all. See, cut through it all and just blow it up. So anyone who was ever doubting that we're right, that I tell people the truth about it, that the system is a complete scam, 
That is an absolute slam dunk winner. It just shows it right there. It just shows it. Like I said, it's every issue I ever talk about. I'm going to do tons of them on this chat GPT. I already did a bunch of them, but I'm not going to go over them now. But anyway, if people like that, I'm going to uh, I'll share some of the other chat GPTs with people. I think it's a helpful series personally. So I'll probably do it even if people don't tell me they like it <laughs> because the show's mine. I do whatever the hell I want on it. <laughs> I tell people what I think is important and what they need to know. That's all. Anyway, I liked it. I enjoy chat GPT. Yeah, you got to give your number and I don't give a crap. So what? They already know everything about me. I don't care that I ask these subversive questions on there. I know the rules. I don't go outside the rules. <laughs> I don't go outside the rules. I don't do it on my podcast. I don't do it in the Twitter. I don't do it on chat GPT. It's pointless. You're not going to get anywhere. I'm here to show you that the rules themselves are a fucking joke. And it's a scam. The idea that you're free and the government's this and built on consent. It's all crap, people. It's all total crap. <laughs> so anyway, so there you go. My consent chat with chat GPT. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to do today. So if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Legal Man at US Crime Review. I enjoy laughing at this kind of stupid crap on there. And I want to thank the people in Patreon who support my show. I really do. I appreciate you guys. You have a lot of integrity. I know I give you extra shows and all this other stuff. I get it. But, you know, I know most of you guys, it's a very stable group of Patreons who are in there. And they respect the work I give them. And they have the integrity to pay for the fact that I've saved them an immense amount of time and trouble trying to find answers and putting pieces together for them. And that's the point of the show. If you really want to understand the way the system works, then join my Patreon, and you will. Listen to my shows. I've got hundreds and hundreds of shows in there. And I go through and explain an incredible amount of shit, just an incredible amount. You're never going to be able to put together yourself. Not because you're not smart enough. Many people may be smart enough, but they're not situated like I am. They're not lawyers for 30-plus years, almost 35 years. Been studying this shit for 25 years. You're just not in that position. They don't understand. It takes somebody who's properly situated with a mind like mine, and I'm a very intelligent person, and I'm also extremely good at intellectual deduction and cross-examination. I'm just a master at it. And so you can see from that chat GPT, the shit I get them to concede. <laughs> it's just easier with people uh, on the stand because they can't wiggle around much, and they're not as smart as chat GPT. But anyway... That's what happens. And so thank you to the people in Patreon who have that integrity. And as far as the movie, Jones Plantation, I play Mr. Jones. It's a story by Larkin Rose. It's still coming out in April. I don't know what that means outside of we're going to have a movie here shortly. Exactly how it's going to get released. It's not clear yet, but we're trying to come up with it. It's not my area, but Andrew's working on it. He's got people working on it. We're coming up with ideas. I think it's going to be really good. I haven't seen the final product. I've only seen a rough cut. And uh, the semi-final product that was shown at an Arcapulco got really uh, good reviews. People really enjoyed it. And I hope people like the way I play Mr. Jones, this kind of drunk dick uh, plantation owner. <laughs> I try not to play him too, too horribly seriously. I put him into a kind of a somewhat of a crazy side to him, kind of a goofy, almost comical side, because he's already such a bad guy and the topic's already so heavy. I hope people like it. And I hope they watch the movie, enjoy it, make it make a bunch of money. Because if they do, uh, then we'll make more movies. And movies are a great way to reach people, you know. There's a lot of people who never listen to a podcast. Oh, fuck podcasts. I don't listen to them. Everyone's got a podcast. Okay, whatever. Uh, most people never read anything. But movies, yeah, they're, they're very uh, unassuming kind of way to slip into somebody's psyche. So, so anyway, there's that. 
And uh, beyond that, I don't think there's much else to say, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day, wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time for Legal Man.